I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and joining me on the other line, fresh from our cathartic cry, lounging in the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Well, up, scuzzbutt? Yeah, what you know about it, friends? This is episode, I didn't even check. What is it, 234? 254? 234? 234? That sounds more accurate. 234. Give us a like, subscribe, or a follow, and henceforth, you will never miss an episode because new ones will be delivered directly to your device by a man. A man who knows what to do with his time and doesn't spend it on Amazon buying shit he doesn't need. Pandemic or not, as productive as he's ever been, from the back of a rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip, it is your man's. Chauncey Frostelicus the Third, Geek Down Internet Elf. I thought we were going to have a jingle. Oh, I forgot about the jingle. Oh, I don't even know what I did for the jingle. <laughs> but, uh, Chauncey, Chauncey, on the back of a rainbow alicorn named Philip. Please stop. Yeah. Friends, if you want to tell Kate how terrible that song was, <laughs> head on over to twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That's where the show lives. That's where I rant and praise Mackie Ito, among other things. You can go to Facebook, too, I guess. Oh, there's nothing there. There's- I tried. I did. I tried, like, for a couple weeks. And it's not that I didn't try. It's honestly, I just have a hole in my memory where Facebook used to be. <laughs> you know what? Don't fill it. Fill it with something else. Fill it with British crime dramas. I, no, that's most of the other Friend. part of my brain. Oh, friends, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, if you would like to support this endeavor financially, don't. Save yeah, your just, money. We're not Chauncey. You need uh, something to do. So spend it on things that you may or may not need on Amazon. You may think. Toronto, as we head into the gray zone, that it's uh, it's all it's all downhill from here. Uphill? What is it? When it's good? I always confuse that. Uphill? Is it all? <laughs> oh, because... Because uphill is more all, difficult. Downhill makes it sound oh, bad, but if it's downhill, it's easier going. I, yeah, we had the same problem, uh, senior correspondent Chris and I, today with threshold. Mm. And we were like, threshold up, down? <laughs> In this case, what we were trying to figure it out. It's like when we had that discussion about whether um, you move a meeting forward, right. whether that means, yeah, it's that whole thing, right? But I think it's the term is it's all uphill from here. Smooth sailing. No. <laughs> There we go. I was like, wait, no, that's all. I don't think that's right. Smooth sailing. Everyone can agree on that. From here, you think it's going to be fine. I'm here to tell you, if we are not locked down again in April, I will be amazed. Damn, son. I will be amazed. So save your money because you will need it for Lockdown Volume 3, whatever that sequel will be called. Friends, thank you for um, 
indulging us in our week off last week. So Kate could go, go visit her pops. Kate, how was that? It was great. It was it was nice. It was super chill. Work wasn't super crazy. Um, he, you know, he has a very like retired old man routine, <laughs> but he also he does still work occasionally. So he does community bus driving. So he'll drive older people to their appointments. Um, in like this cool little forward transit um it keeps him busy honestly i think if he didn't have that he would probably go crazy uh well he did when the first time he retired and he called me like every single day (laughs) uh that was fun and by that was fun i mean that was not fun at all uh there's only so much i can say to my father who doesn't like talking in the first place um but it was really nice we got to have dinners together i got to bring him tea in the morning which was very excited about that's adorable um Hey, you know what? The man has had to get himself up for, and he doesn't really sleep that much anyways, but he's had to get himself up every single day for how many years. And I figured getting him some tea in the morning is the least I could do. Um, But anyways, so yeah, it was nice all around. um, And hopefully, because we will be in lockdown into the summer, I can do it again when the weather is a little bit nicer. Um, And just, yeah, get to... Because we don't get to – usually we would, like, go for breakfast or do fun things. Well, we can't really do that. So we'll just hang out and watch sports and Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Jobs. Um, uh, sorry. I yeah. just have to mention, though, uh, Jeopardy without – I can't don't, – Don't take it there. Alex, Why are you going to take it there? No. Um, it's really hard to watch. Why are you I'm take like, it there? is he on vacation? He's on vacation. In my head, he's on vacation. Yep, he'll he's be, retired. He'll be back. Yeah, he's retired. He's retired. Yep. He's just having a great time. Yep. <laughs> Why you gotta take it there, Kate? Uh, I, I can't help it. Friends, hope you enjoyed your scintillating anecdotes about uh, Kate's trip to Port Hope, because the Lord knows that's the, she's the only one going anywhere right now. Yeah, and for anybody who's going to write in and yell at me, I'm allowed to go see him because he lives alone. Listen, one household. Listen, I'm really sensing pandemic fatigue in uh, in the people I see out in these streets, and it has totally turned me into the person who just yells randomly while walking <laughs> like all the time uh kate alluded to uh the <laughs> the term scuzzbuck which is just something that has entered my vernacular apropos of nothing this week as i just see people who like a year in i don't know what offends me more at this point no mask or mask under the chin a year in and you're still doing mask under the chin. Don't insult about- me like that and just take it off. Who, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? You're trying to like stick to the man. This is your loophole. Like, no, just fucking take it off. Scuzzbuck. Like what about this also upsets me mask under the nose. I mean, cause that's the same thing to me. That's like, you know, I know, you know, we all know now it wasn't like at the very, very beginning where maybe if you were dumb, you didn't know, but there have been so many like posters and things that have come out and commercials that everybody knows now. I don't know. And it's going to be extra fun because friends as alluded to, we are, um, Toronto and, has Hamilton, Hamilton's been gray for a hot sec or 
we were great. I don't I, honestly. This sounds terrible. I don't know. We just treat it in so, our household yeah, like it's exactly like it was. Don't, don't affect your behavior one way or the other. But um, yeah. Ontario, the province that Caitlin and I live here in here in Canada, has used a sort of color coded framework for different regions, different public health boards, depending on trends and cases. Regions move into different colored areas and each area has, you know, different indoor capacities, different things you can do, indoor dining, gyms, et cetera, et cetera. So Toronto is moving as of tomorrow, as we're recording on Sunday, tomorrow, Monday, March 8th, we are moving into the gray region, which basically means the only thing indoor dining might return, but ew, but non-essential retail will be allowed to open again. This is very good for small business. I have to admit, if you think I'm not going to be out here buying records I don't need next week just to support my favorite establishments and toss them a couple bucks here and there. Uh, you are a new fool because I will be doing that, but it also means that major Canadian retailer will be reopening and I am not looking forward full disclosure because, Oh, our customer base. (laughs) Or have you prepared telling people that they have to wear their mask properly and getting into fights? A little bit. I uh, listen. If I talk with a certain tone to my voice about, the notion of reopening, it has nothing to do with major Canadian retailer. It has to do with just the populace, a.k.a. vermin. We've established this is how I view most people. Because major Canadian retailer has taken a probably harder than they need to line. So most places will be like, you need to wear a mask. There are exceptions, you know, blah, blah, blah. Major Canadian retailer is like, nah, no mask, no entry, period. Don't care what yeah. your beef is. Don't care what we have a web. We have a very robust website. We have a very robust online experience. Feel free to order. Come to the store and we will bring it to you. But you are not entering this perimeter without a mask. Um, And the CEO has a publicly available email for folks if they want to find it. From what I gather, the CEO gets it frequently from the populace regarding this position. But, you know, all praise is due. Because I've never felt unsafe in that regards. We have had, like most places, I'm sure, there have been kerfuffles here and there. Anti-maskers trying to start a chicanery <laughs> at my place of work. And really, it's such an odd hill to die on. Like, really. like I, I'm not going to say I don't notice I'm wearing a mask half the time at this point. But I kind of barely notice it. Like, it's just, it's just a part of my... See, I wouldn't notice it if I didn't have TMJ issues. So if I'm having a good day, I'll I'll not notice it so much that there has been at least five times I have dumped tea all over my mask and self. What is TMJ? Because I didn't. Oh, uh, it's the t- it's uh, jaw issues. It's basically oh. the the muscles and ligament in the jaw. Right. Uh, I clench at night and I clench during the day, and when it's really active, I can't even like chew. Anything, like, if I'm trying to chew a carrot, like, after three chews, my jaw's like, I'm going to lock now. Have fun with that. Um, So, occasionally when I'm wearing a mask, I'll do a weird thing where I'll keep my, like, mouth open. And I think it's to, like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I But I've noticed it um, over the past couple months because my jaw issues have sort of 
been bad. They've gotten better again. But, uh, but yeah, no, I've dumped tea a couple times, been going to sip it, and then be forgetting I have a mask on. Yeah, I'm so glad no one's around when I do that, because it makes me feel like a moron. My biggest mask issue is um, the rate at which I go through gum at this point, because oh. I just can't stand my own stench. Breath. You can't sm- stand your breath smell. I can't stand it either. Oh, because with the amount of coffee I drink, not like I'm like, as I drink coffee right now, but I mean, you know, I get to work, I have a coffee and if I have to strap the mask to my face, I don't want to just breathe in my coffee breath or like, you know, my, yeah, I just, I don't like breath smell and I don't like, um, uh, sneeze. I can't stand sneezes. (laughs) Get your sneeze away from me. The one thing I saw, the one thing I saw recently was, did someone keep sending it to me? They might've, um, it was basically a TikTok or something of like, you know, how we're all going to be when we don't have to wear masks again. It was just this dude going about his business, but like constantly licking his lips or like his tongue was hanging out or his mouth was open. Cause, <laughs> Actually, because my mouth is always open under that mask. <laughs> I can, um, I can now make faces and people don't know I'm doing it. Oh, yes. It might be a problem once the mask comes off. This is why I just scream in the middle of the street now, because between the sunglasses, the toque, and the mask, like people can't people can't tell what I'm doing, where to come from. Yeah, where's that crazy person? Could be anybody. <laughs> it's Parkdale. Yep. Uh, so that's the state of things around here, y'all. We are going to forego news this week because we don't want this episode to be nine hours long, which is traditionally what happens when we when we skip a week. Yeah. And we probably have enough updates. I know I do. I don't know how Kate's doing, but probably has more than a couple things in the hopper that she would like to talk about with updates. And we also have a WandaVision discussion to get to. So I think we we'll do. just I think we'll just do the usual format and I'll toss it over to you, McKinnon, and uh, hit me with what you've been into. And uh, we'll, when you get to WandaVision, save it to the end and we'll we'll bridge the two. Great. So as Jordan mentioned to me the other day uh he was delighted it was the other day it was today it was today you want to get into this now okay so i went to i don't of all the services i have available to me i don't often use amazon prime i use it very rarely i should maybe use it more i feel like there's more on there than i'm giving it credit for but i had heard about this show which i'll get into in my portion uh, that i want to check out it was on amazon I share an Amazon with Kate. I don't have my own profile. I haven't set my own up just because, like I said, I don't use it that often. I just kind of hop in on hers. And firing up Amazon and scrolling down to the continue watching bar. <laughs> y'all, she talks about it a lot on the show. But to, like, actually see laid out for you all of the frumpy old English mystery solving ladies. Wow. Tile after tile, some of which I've never heard of. You had your, you had your murder she wrote. You had your Rosemary and Time. You had you know you have Prime Suspect, whatever. But uh, the ones I'd never even heard of. Just so, so many, and it really brought me joy because it was like I was with her. <laughs> yeah, just me, um, me and old mystery solving English ladies. Yeah, I love the tradition of that. I love that there is a tradition of that in British television. Um, just old women solving mysteries. I like that more and more there's a, or I, you know what? I would say even more in the eighties and nineties, there was this tradition of having older women do things 
and I really like that because um, Catelyn Moran is a writer who probably most famously wrote How to Build a Girl. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, she is she's been a writer for years written for lots of different magazines and newspapers um and she, uh, recently she was doing an interview and she was talking to someone about the hag years which are the years that a lot of people maybe more so now but a lot of people in media avoid you know having anything to do with any woman in her hag years in TV or in movies, which is that period after your kids are gone and you've hit retirement or maybe you're about to hit retirement and you, you have this whole other life you can lead. Whereas a man might have a, a midlife crisis. You've had been so busy taking care of everyone else that you can t kind of, kind of like focus on yourself now and a lot of these mystery stories are that they're women who are older retired or sometimes just retired sometimes much older like miss marple or hetty wainthrope um and they get to do these fun adventures uh they get to use their skills it's not like they've been relegated to just be in their homes and die there. Um, and I really like that. It gives me this weird sense of inspiration and also things to look forward to, right? Um, because in media and the world and society, we're so focused on women as younger women, ingenues, sexy women, that this is like beyond that. And as someone who's never really been noticed by the opposite sex, this is like my dream. It's like I get to have gray hair, wear all the <laughs> wear all the fucking cardigans I want, just frump it all up, and solve mysteries in my spare time. This is my dream. So yes, there is a lot of them. Um, and then there are things I try and watch that haven't gone quite as well. Um, it's usually, I, I'm trying to find other mystery shows or other, um, uh, what, what, oh, murder shows. Um, and a lot of them are American and they're not very good. So again, if anyone has any suggestions, please let me know. Um, I need to talk about Disney's best move yet, which was introducing star. Oh, we will get to it. There is so much on fucking Star. For one, Orville. Um, oh, Orville's which, on there? Yeah, senior correspondent Chris and I have been looking everywhere to legally watch this show. We got we watched first season. I think we watched first season on Global or something, but it's not a good platform. Like there's commercials and it, it wasn't yeah. great. Um, uh, Star has the first two seasons. We're um, on just about season six of season – or sorry, episode six of season two. Um, we both love that show, and it's become less and less silly and more and more like Star Trek. Like it's just getting better and better. Um, th there was other stuff that I had started watching. Emergence was a show uh, I'd sort of heard bits and pieces about. Um 
it has one season. I think there are like 14 episodes. I'm on like episode six or something, uh, maybe episode seven. Um, it, it It's good. Uh, it did get canceled after the first season. Um, I know why. It's because there's just so much TV out there. But I love the characters in the show. Um, they did a really, really good job of casting. Um, and I really like that. I'm trying to think if there's anything that particularly uh, stands out. I mean, there's just been so much stuff that I've kind of... You know when you just meander about? No, yeah, Jordan? I, no, I have no idea. You're just describing, like, 2020. Like, Yeah. It's basically, I keep on trying to watch shows and then being like, meh. So there's not really anything else to report. I mean, Star <laughs> will definitely have a conversation about all the stuff on Star. Um, oh, and there are just, like, so many movies that I want to watch on Star. And they've got so many of my favorites. They have a whole Western section. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I'm just looking through the westerns, being like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah," and they have that movie I want to give you. Anyway, so there's lots. There's even more out there, which actually hurts my head. Um, and was there anything on Netflix I watched? Mm, no, I don't think there was. Not that, not this week, anyways. Maybe last week I watched something. I'm sure next week I'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot all these other things I watched. But that's about it. No, it isn't. Well, because WandaVision. Yes. Okay, so G- give us, give us, like... give us the. It was great, Kate. <laughs> uh yeah, it was good. <laughs> I liked it. I liked that it went differently than I thought it was going to go. Um, and I liked that. I thought the last, I don't know. I, I want to watch it again altogether. Uh, I didn't like week to week only because I'm an impatient person. And I want it all now. Feed me, feed me. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. And I liked that it was sort of a contained story. Everyone's like season two. I'm like, no, what? no. I was like, it's a contained story. It's the point. Um, I like that part of it. And what were your thoughts, Jordan? When I told Caitlin I had written about a page of thoughts about WandaVision, she sent me a gif of a cat holding a red balloon and a tiny kitten who smacked the red balloon and popped it and said, that was me. That's what I do. I just pop people's balloons. I replied with a gif of dj khaled saying congratulations you played yourself and said that's the discourse the thing we bump into i bump into all the time as much as caitlin says she hates the take economy and all that stuff and she doesn't want any takes she has successfully removed herself from it she doesn't counter it that often yeah so as much as she says that she doesn't think wandavision directly feeds into the deliberately feeds into the discourse i respectfully disagree I think there was some trolling going on with this show, which delights me. The best thing I, the best thing I saw this week was a meme of, you know, uh, you know, Captain America with his like legs crossed. And it's like, so people use that template. It was Captain America with his leg crossed. And the caption was, so you had a WandaVision theory that wasn't true. (laughs) Because 
I need to separate the discourse from the show and what it means. And the discourse, I will get to you in a minute. The show itself, finale, probably corrected, not corrected, but I mean, did what the show hadn't done for me up to that point, really. Was I on my phone incessantly during Smashy Smashy? Yes. The last 20 minutes, A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Oh, that's nice. The scene where Wanda, where Agatha un, you know, cuts all their strings as she cuts the meat puppet strings as she puts it. Yeah. And Wanda is apparently heretofore did not really understand the effect she had had on these residents of Westview. Uh, and coming mm. to terms with or, you know, accepting that and, like, realizing that something's got to happen here. I didn't even hate, uh, you know, Blade Runner light uh, dorm room <laughs> burnout philosophy session with the two visions. I didn't mind that. Oh, see, that was the most vision-y vision thing that could have <laughs> happened, and I loved every second of it. <laughs> it's like, I have, <laughs> I have to destroy the vision. But wait, what if you're the vision? What? What? I'm the vision? Yeah. I make fun, but that's actually pretty much word for word a scene lifted from a Mark Wade comic, and Mark Wade is, I, I is a hero of mine. I thought that was probably so it. Yeah, I thought that was probably Mark it. Wade is a low key hero of mine, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on that too bad. I actually didn't hate it. The scene where Wanda is like, even though I thought she maybe took the uh, <laughs> what do you want to call it, <laughs> de existencing of her kids a little lately. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought she was think a, so. I thought she was a little chill about that, um, but. The whole scene with the two of them as the hexes, you know, rescinding and he's legit like, I've been a voice without a body. Well, I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said, I've been a voice without a body, you know, uh, an android without whatever. Now a memory brought to life. I can't wait to see what I'll, what I'll be next. Uh, yeah. love, loved all that stuff. You know, the scene where like we've said goodbye, we've said goodbye before stands to reason we'll say hello again like that was all very sweet and i enjoyed all of that (laughs) i enjoyed all of that you know i said in previous episodes that i did not give a shit about these characters there was nothing there was no emotional tugging for me with this show they got a little out of me they did so shouts to them shouts to them for that um i like they got the smashy smashy out of the way early which i'm always like whatever um but the actual like emotional beats they hit I was I was here for. Now, what I have realized about myself is I don't want a puzzle box from my television. Or rather, I don't want the type of puzzle box that Marvel specifically is offering. And what I mean to say is the type of puzzle box Marvel is offering is essentially just spot the reference for nerds. And they knew they were doing this the second they dropped Evan Peters in this show. And like I say, Kate's not out there in it as much she's not on the social meds she's not seeing people <laughs> immediately I, I mean immediately dive in you I, see a I bit did, of the you though. see a bit of the like you know listen uh, if i never see another headline with we need to talk about x you and i are both on the same page about that like we need to talk about yeah. the end of wandavision do we <laughs> do we though do we because I, I don't think we do i don't know that we i mean do. i'd like to hear some theories about what the very end end credits was about but like, oh, I'm sure those, I'm sure those kids, you know, I'm sure the nerds who read Young Avengers have already written, you know, doctoral theses on what that means. Like, <laughs> it's the children's crusade. Y'all were out there so hard on fucking 
Mr. Fantastic and Logan are going to show up and take Wanda off to fucking the multiverse. And Doctor Strange is going to be like, show up at the end and be like, and White Vision's here and he's good again. Like, y'all are out there making recap videos longer than the episode just to talk about this shit. There are people who break down episodes frame to frame. Calm the fuck down. It ain't that deep. Y'all just need to relax. And I can't do it with this shit anymore. I'm not going to say I'm not going to watch fucking Falcon and Winter Soldier when it drops next week. God, this is my life. Marvel has come to television now. This is my life. I was able to avoid it because because I don't go to movies that often. You can't avoid it now, Jordan. You came to my television, Feige. Um, but at the end of the day, this whole, like, the whole thing, I can't do spot the reference, spot the reference. I find very annoying, but I do enjoy the fact that the people behind WandaVision who, again, from a production standpoint, a plus, I think when you binge the whole thing, I think you're going to feel like it drags in the front half, but from a production standpoint, pretty hard to top for what was, you know, a television show. If you're going to separate it from television and movies, even though this was really like a, like, you know, four hour movie. Um, well, it's a miniseries. Production standpoint, pretty flawless. But they were trolling y'all deliberately. Which, they knew the second Evan Peter showed up, y'all were going to go off of the deep end. And guess what? You got his last name is Boner. Bo- <laughs> what did you get? A guy. The only twist that you had there, y'all were out there immediately saying it's Reverse House of M. She's bringing the mutants in. No, they ain't giving you that on on. A Disney Plus show. The only thing you got, twist-wise, was who Catherine Hahn's character was, which the nerds pegged that out. Like, that was your twist. You know, pat yourself on the back for spotting it. And the nerds spotted that, like, you know, within 15 minutes after the, the first episode dropped. What frustrates me, and I'll give it credit, because ultimately WandaVision did tell a sort of unique story, heavily lifted from comics. I don't like that Marvel has become this spot the reference thing that just lifts from comic stories and feeds this nerd industrial complex. I can't do it when Watchmen exists. When you have a perfect example of something, and when I say perfect, I'm not being hyperbolic. It is flawlessly executed. Taking a pre-existing property and remixing it and spinning it and putting entirely new content into it. But, but, but... Source material-wise, Watchmen was so different. Sorry, the graphic novel Watchmen was so different when it came out that it deserved something like the show we got. Perhaps, but... And maybe easier to do because Watchmen was a self-contained 12-issue and done thing, not like, you know, feel... 50 years of decades, sequential decades storytelling. Decades and decades of, not even sequential, like back and <laughs> forth and up and down and like reverse this and new worlds and, and that's, you know. I, I mean, it's not even, the nerd industrial complex in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not even in like Ouroboros anymore. It's not a snake eating its own tail. You know when a bunch of snakes get into a fight and it just looks like a. <laughs> that's actually, um, that's actually a mating thing. Wow. Those snake balls. Y'all. That's snake mating. Y'all. If you ever wonder why I do a podcast with her, <laughs> this is why. This is why. So fine. It's not a snake eating its own tail. It's a snake orgy of mating rituals. It's yeah. just like all these snakes just intertwining and putting their junk yeah, on but, each other. And But that's, I mean, 
isn't that fun for some people? Like, it must be fun for some people, right? It, I guess. It must be. And it, it ain't and me. I wish y'all watched you. better things, but... <laughs> Yeah, see, like, it's not fun for me, so I just don't go there. I watch uh, YouTube videos on finance. Okay, number one. Because I'm cool. Number one, gross. Number two, I watch YouTube videos of, you know, uh, Japanese voice actresses playing Pictionary, but I still can't, so I still can't avoid the, the complex. It's like I don't I don't know what the equivalent would be, but like you know when Pink Floyd's the wall where the hammers are marching, it's just I just turn around and it's just like you know chasing after me. Are you one of those? Are you one of those people who pick scabs? Well, yes. Okay, so you have this problem where you're going out there. You're being like, let's see what the crazies are up to today. <laughs> you can't leave it alone. What's up, dummies? You out there being dumb again? <laughs> the answer is yes. It's always yes. Um, I thought WandaVision was a really nice love letter to the medium and a nice little love story and a nice little story. And I like that it was basically self-contained. I like that. It was fine. Nerds, calm down. I liked it. The end. It wasn't perfect, but I liked it. I had fun watching it. That's really what I want from my entertainment. Did I have fun watching it? I don't know if I had fun watching it. It was fine. You had fun. You're going to look back on this and you're going to be like, I had fun watching it. I had fun fighting. I'm never going to tell McKinnon, though, because. <laughs> I had fun fighting with you about it, as I often do, but. Mm, yes. <laughs> mm, yes. Um, mm, yes. What else did I get into out there in the world, y'all? friends caitlin mentioned star you know what else is on star sorry she kind of glossed over it star is the now uh sub channel of disney plus that acknowledges that like sex and drugs exist and that adults also exist i mean real adults who don't like to watch cartoons yeah it's disney it's disney plus after dark it's uh it's the 10 o'clock show um you know what is on there kate what cougar town <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Kate, uh, I scrolled through fucking everything I could find because uh, I because my homie pops who is the the Disney Plus Connect was like, hey, you got that star thing now too, maybe check it out. I was like, well, what's what's going to be on that? And he said, made it sound like it was going to be more like Fox stuff, like you know, like FX. And I was like, oh shit, is Atlanta on it? Like I went I went digging in for that, like I'm going to Fargo and Atlanta and right. shit like that. Um, I started digging in for that, and I didn't find any of that. Although apparently people tell me Atlanta will end up on there. Seems. I feel like Donald might have a problem with having his show on Disney plus. Perhaps he might be like, yeah, just leave it on Hulu. Um, but I'm scrolling through and I'm not really finding everything. And then like on the second last tile, I'm like, Oh my God, Cougar town. How are you not finding anything? There's so many things on this, on this channel. Okay. When we talk about the other things I watched, you'll understand why I didn't find anything. Um, okay. But I found Cougar Town, though. Um, friends, Cougar Town is a what at the time seemed like a serviceable. I, pa- I compared it to Happy Endings. I was telling people that like I feel like Happy Endings and Cougar Town were a nice one two of like early tens, uh, early two thousand tens sitcoms. Cougar Town does not necessarily hold up, and it also is not a binge show, despite the fact that I binged the first two seasons like in the last week and a half. Um, turns out narcissism and shitty people is a hard hang for me at this age. Yeah. (laughs) 
Cougar Town is essentially, despite the terrible name that they make fun of on the show repeatedly, by early season two, every title card is making fun of the title that they can't get rid of at that point. And, and it started, it kind of, I think it very quickly morphed from what people thought it was going to be, but it was like Courtney Cox is a 40 something divorcee, like trolling for young tail. And it quickly did not become that she links up with another, uh, age appropriate gentleman, uh, from around her cul-de-sac. And it's basically just like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a friend's jam. It's like people just hanging around, drinking wine, making jokes, playing penny can, uh, stuff like that. But, the Courtney Cox character has a lot of, I mean, she's written this way, but it's can be a rough hang for more than like two episodes in a row, but I'm gonna watch it all. That thing went for like six seasons. <laughs> six seasons in the movie. Um, I feel like I'm going to bail after I finish season three. Cause I think like that's the, I think it got to that point and then got canceled and then ended up on like TBS and I've seen none of those. And I heard that Bobby, her ex-husband Bobby Cobb uh, leaves at some point in those seasons and once Bobby's gone he's like the lovable like dolt <laughs> who lives on a boat like a boat in a parking lot not even in the in the river the repave in the parking lot where I keep my boat so therefore I have to move it's times like this it makes me wish I owned my own parking lot um, amazing yeah once Bobby's gone I might not be able to hang anymore uh, but oh man we love a good wallpaper show around here and that's what Cougar Town is podcasts Oh. Yes. Found this Ooh. thing, said, sent it to someone cute, said you might like it. She started listening first and then hit me back with like, this is great. And then I went into it and I was like, you're right, someone cute. This is great. Prince Paul is a gentleman who has led a very interesting career for at least 30 years in the realm of hip hop. He was a teenage DJ in the golden era group Stetsasonic. Then he was a producer for De La Soul on their first three albums. Then he formed a kind of super second chance super group with a few dudes, including a pre Wu Tang RZA called the Grave mm. called the Grave Diggers, and kind of invented horrorcore despite himself, even though he doesn't like the term. This kind of this concept kind of birthed the the notion of horrorcore. And then he formed the Handsome Boy Modeling School with Dan the Automator. He did, like, the first, like, hip-hop concept narrative album called The Prince Among Thieves, which just had, like, a this crazy cast of guest rappers on it. Um, and there is a podcast that has come out hosted by a guy named Open Mike Eagle, who I know from uh, wrestling podcasts. But he started this podcast, only, like, maybe eight or nine episodes, called What It Happened Was. And it's just... <laughs> Him asking Prince Paul about a certain era of his career. So, like, three episodes are dedicated to the first three De La Soul albums, or, like, the Handsome Boy Modeling School stuff, or what, his life as a teenage teenager uh, DJing for Stetsasonic, and just Prince Paul is a very charismatic and fun interview, and he can really carry, like, it's just, a, it's pretty much 90% Prince Paul talking for, like, 45 minutes, and he can do it. He's that good of a speaker. And for me, especially when, like, De La Soul was so important to me as a, like, you know, 13-year-old, being able to, like, hear inside stories about when De La Soul was dead, their second album, which was, like, my fucking dark side of the moon. Like, I poured over that thing. Like, they, like, built a world on that album. It's insane. I could give you that album as, like, a like a thing. Like, <laughs> and also Prince Paul invented the skit. That's his most 
him and De La Soul would have these things called... He invented the skit? Yeah, they called them bug outs or something like that, where they would just, you know, wild out or do whatever. And this became the skit. The first skits were on De La Soul's first album. And his notion was that he wanted something to... That they could show their personalities on. So they did this game show bit throughout the album. Because on game shows, there would always be like, you know... Yeah, joining us today, contestant number one, we got Phil. Phil, uh, says here, you're blah, blah, blah. Tell us about that. You know, like that shit. Mm-hmm. So they interspersed this throughout the album and De La were the, you know, contestants and they got to say something about, you know, cause to show their person, he wanted to show them their, per- wanted them to show their personalities. But anyway, if you like hip hop history in general, if you're a super nerd like me and this really <laughs> is in your lane. Piques your interest. Yeah. This is, this was a phenomenal podcast. I'm like legit savoring it. I'm deliberately not going back to it because I don't want it to. It's, it's like my gravity falls a podcast. Like I don't want it to be over. So I haven't gone back to it yet, but was super dope. Um, less fun. Something I heard good things about, and the reason I was on Caitlin's Amazon account was I wanted to take a, a dip into a show I had heard good things about and seemed interesting, if not the funnest hang in the world. I watched uh, the first episode and most of the second episode, and we'll probably watch all of uh, "It's a Sin" on Amazon. Have you seen this, Kate? Oh. I have seen the trailers. This is not something I can watch. <laughs> I know way too much about this. I don't. I will cry. Yeah. From the beginning of the show until the end of the show. I don't know a ton about it. Um, the the gist is the elevator pitch. It's, it's about three. It's about a bunch of characters, but primarily three or four uh, young gay men in London in like eighty one, eighty three era, as the AIDS crisis slowly starts becoming a crisis a pandemic um and in the you know in the first episode it's just these characters bouncing around their stories and them getting situated in london and being okay with themselves neil patrick harris plays a supporting role in the first episode and is like fantastic but he's the first one who like he works at like a tailor with one of the characters colin and is the one who like there's a, re- there's a really creepy moment where this old guy's like washing Colin. <laughs> like you have to wash at the end of a shift because fibers will get under your fingernails, blah, blah, blah. And then it's slowly like <laughs> the guy's like from washing your hands to your arms, to your armpits. You have to make it clean. <laughs> and Neil Patrick Harris comes in and he's like, so yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Basically <laughs> take spots. You know, Colin has not come out to anybody. The Neil Patrick Harris character, you know, clocks him and is like, you know, is basically the first like safe space for him um, to acknowledge who he is. So, and then, but just like then one day as the show is moving, it's not really hammered upon, you know, Oh, where's whoever? Oh, he called in sick today. And then a few more scenes happen and then he's in the hospital and then, you know, they think it's a cancer and they didn't know they didn't know. And the scene, there's a scene in the second episode where I don't remember his name, but he's one, he's the one on all the posters. Um, who gives this, and I think this is in the trailer a bit too. Um, he gives this kind of soliloquy about like, cause the rumors are now out there. Nobody knows anything. And that must've been fucking terrifying, right? Like nobody knew anything. Yeah. Just everybody around you started getting sick. And he's like, am I supposed to believe, you know, I'm not an idiot. Am I going to believe there's a gay plague out there? No. Like there's a disease from God that targets gay men. Like it's preposterous. I know it has not gotten that <laughs> soul crushing it, but I really feel like it's gonna, um, 
but it's yeah. it's very well done and very well acted and is not a story I knew a lot about. So I'm I'm invested in seeing, you know, and learning about this. This was a struggle I knew nothing about. I was a kid when this was um really popping off. I didn't see I haven't read as the band played on or all that stuff. I don't know a lot about the start of the AIDS crisis and I think to a certain extent we take it for granted now. Um, oh, we hugely take it for granted. <laughs> Though I, you and, know, and there have been many advances. You know, it's not the it's, same death sentence as it yeah, was. It's like, frankly, I've known some people who have HIV, and yeah, it's same. it's not like Kate said. It's not the death sentence it once was. It's it's not fair to liken it to like diabetes or like something you can just kind of manage with meds and lifestyle and things like that. But there have been huge advances over the last 30 years and keeping people alive. But at the start of it in the early eighties, like, like I said, nobody knew anything. Nobody knew anything at the start, but they did start to know. And they, they did cover a lot of stuff up. They, oh, oh, for sure. I'm certain. Yeah. And well, I think well, that's Reagan, probably going to be part. You remember I watched, you remember I watched the Reagan doc a while back. Yes. Um, and his refusal to do anything about it. Because he was low key yeah. Christian conservative, and again, gay plague, like not and my, also, not not my problem. A, they not, don't vote for me, like not just a gay plague, but also uh, a black plague. Yes, right. People forget why AIDS in Africa, why like it's such a big deal, and part of it is also because a lot of the medication is available, but they will not ship it, or it's so expensive when it doesn't need to be. And yeah, so there's still a lot of issues surrounding it, and I'm glad there is a television show that is highlighting it because, um, you know, it it is a disease that affects those in poverty much more still. Um, And there's still misinformation, and there's still all kinds of stuff. So I'm glad they've focused on that. And be prepared for it to get so sad. Yeah, I don't know which of our main characters is going down, but I'm sure one of them is. (laughs) Um, Oh. Why do we do this? Speaking of things we do to ourselves that we know we know are going to hurt us. Yeah. Offered free this month on the PlayStation Network for subscribers. They throw out a couple games every month. Usually these are older games or games you wouldn't care about. Kind of, you know, indie games, things like that. It is rare that something makes me stop and immediately download. And I did not know this was coming until my friend who spent $80 for this game said, son of a bitch, this game's going to be free on PlayStation next month. And I said, oh, I played the demo for the Final Fantasy VII Remake when it came out. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that <laughs> I am no longer good at video games. Um, because the second another character showed up in my party and I couldn't just button smash, I was like, yo, strategy, no thank you. Um Friends, Final Fantasy VII OG came out for the original PlayStation sometime in the mid to late 90s, perhaps. And was, while not, I don't think anybody would argue it is the best Final Fantasy. I don't even know if I would say it was my favorite Final Fantasy. I'd probably give that to 9 or 10, maybe. Uh, But it was the entry point for a lot of folks, including myself. And was a real, Mm -hmm. like, step up for the franchise. uh, Where they had, you know... 3D cutscenes and stuff like that, and a and a different sort of cyberpunk uh, aesthetic. Um, 
Aesthetic. Aesthetic. And, you know, if you know, if you've ever in your life, in any game, he's been in a bunch of shit by now. If you've ever seen a blonde guy with spiky hair and a giant ridiculous sword, like think of the biggest sword in the world and then double it. That's the size of the sword. That's the size of the sword he carries. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that is Final Fantasy VII. And ever since, I think for a tech demo for like the PS3 or 4, Square, the studio behind Final Fantasy, did basically a tech demo that was the first scene of the first kind of cutscene from Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII, done on current day hardware. And ever since then, people were like, oh my God, they should just redo it. They should just redo the game. That seemed preposterous and not a sort of thing that happens, but I mean, the reboot culture of Hollywood has come to games full-heartedly, so here we are. They redid the game for current day hardware. So this is fully redone. It is gorgeous. It looks so good. Should be said, this is going to be episodic. I don't know how many of these they're going to end up doing. The joke is like they'll need to make 15 of them to like cover the entirety of the original game, which was on like three CDs at the time, which was good Lord, three CDs. And this game goes up to about the end of the first disc where it's, it's just set in this city called Midgar, which is where the first half of the game is. And there's this corporation that's like killing the planet. So Sid hasn't come yet in his, in his boat. All you get in this installment are Cloud Tifa Barrett, Aerith, and Red 13. Those are the only those are the only ones you get. But just the degree to which you would think that if it's only going to take place in this city, which was such a relatively small part of the original game, it couldn't feel big. But this city yeah. feels so dense and huge. And again, this is the like the job they've done to make me care about characters who were nothing in the original game. There is a character who's a member of the, like, you know, resistance group. Her name is Jessie. She does nothing in the original game. She says, like, two lines of dialogue, and that's it. She is such a core component in the remake that, like, I would die for her. (laughs) She's so... Someone someone must have been like, close your eyes and point to a side character. Let's just invest a bunch of time. Who are we going to completely revamp? How much of this story of the full game would you say this is? It's hard to say because they've already done so many tweaks to what I remember from the original story. It doesn't even feel like the original story anymore. Like, yes, you fight. So it's like a retelling almost. Yeah, it's a total like they're calling it a remake and it's hitting the bullet points. Sephiroth will be the big bad. You face Shinra. You blow up reactors. You do all that type of thing. But like. There's already been so much extra. There's little open world elements, you know, GTA type go around and do quests type of things. Um, I think it's it goes up to where you leave Midgar, I think. Um, so the game will end. I don't. There will be twists to how it, the execution is done, but it goes up to about the end of the, probably about 30% of the original game, give or take. Okay. The one huh. thing you need to know about Final Fantasy VII, friends, and it's not a spoiler to talk about a 30-year-old game this way, one of the playable characters dies. And does not come back. Dead, dead. For real dead. I tried to remember recently if I knew Aerith died before I played the game. Or if it, like, hit me by surprise. That was a generational thing for, like, anybody who played that game. And liked that game. If you played that game and hated it, you didn't care. But, like, if you had an investment in that game, Aerith dying was, like, a generational touchstone for you. 
it was one of the first like you know April Fool's trolls in like Game Pro magazine where like they published some false story that you like you could save Aerith and like br- or bring her back. Oh. There, there was a hack or oh. something. That's so mean. There was a hack or something you could do to bring her back. Um, I was so into this game at the time. Originally, I remember the TV I was playing it on downstairs at my parents' house, you know, in the basement, my little, like, you know, I call it the cave in the basement. It was an unfurnished basement. It was literally, like, just, like, a segment of the concrete, like, blocked out with a couch and (laughs) and an old TV and, like, cables hanging from the roof. Um, But that TV, like, blew its tube or whatever. (laughs) Like, it had to get fixed. And I couldn't stop playing the game, so I don't know how I connected a PlayStation to a 9-inch black-and-white television that my dad had on top of a freezer <gasps> near his workbench, but I did. Wow. Just that like... must have been, like, oh, I there's so many, <laughs> probably, like, electrical, like, close electrical fires. I, and... I literally remember I brought it. I, I brought it up. I brought everything up to my actual bedroom because it was like, that's what felt luxurious. As I was playing video games in my bedroom. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh. And, and I look at my giant TV facing yeah, me. Right. <laughs> the one of three TVs you have in your house. Um, yeah. But just peering at this. And I think it was, uh, doesn't matter what I was playing, but like, just, I had to keep playing the game. I couldn't stop. So, like I said, the one thing. You could forget everything else about Final Fantasy VII. You will never forget that Aerith died because it's like the moment in the game. So the way my chest seized when I saw her turn up for the first time in the remake with much better graphics and just a personality and like voice acting and, like, there's definitely the point I got to last night because I couldn't stop playing. I was up to one thirty. <laughs> it's just... And it's a point where he, Cloud has been separated from the party and he is like crashes into the church that Aerith hangs out at. And he's constantly always having these like psychobilly freakouts where he like and like has this like flash of like prophecy or memory or whatever. And when he saw Aerith, he had one of those. And I'm pretty sure one of the like flickers was of her doing the prayer, which is when she died. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, why am I signing up for this pain? Why do I want this? Why do I want this hurt again, Caitlin? What's wrong with this? I don't know. Why why do we do the things we do that hurt us, but and yet we love them? We do love them. And I will play every installment of this game. And I will sob when Aerith goes down. But like I said, they're already like threading so many different things i think they're like final fantasy 7 has spawned a lot of related media over the years and it seems like they are trying to thread it all into a like unified version of the game now so it's it's very interesting i don't care enough to make a recap video about it but <laughs> Calm yeah down. or like frame by frame analyze the whole thing i'm not going to write a video i'm not going to write a think piece that says we need to talk about you know reno <laughs> It's great. I'm enjoying it. It's always a nice reminder to remember that video games are dope. And it doesn't happen to me that often lately because I don't like first-person shooters. So (laughs) that's Uh, always fun. I don't know enough about video games, so I'm just going to be quiet. Keep it that way. But if you want to talk about murder mysteries, (laughs) we can talk about those. Well, we're not going to talk about either of those things. We're going to take a break right here. And friends, when we come back, we're going to talk about something 
kind of atypical, kind of something I threw at Kate as a joke. And she was like, I really want to watch that. So we did. Yeah. We're, we're very mm-hmm. current again, friends. When we come back, we're going to talk about how we feel about Britney Spears. Didn't see that coming, did you? It's Britney, bitch. After the break. Welcome back to the show. This is the part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. Yeah. Um, and as I've said, basically every week for the last, oh God, I don't know how many weeks, eight weeks. Something like that. Maybe less. Since the Something new year. Like that. Um, we aren't bringing each other things at the same time. We're just one person is bringing something and then we're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we want to stay relevant, and there's just with the pandemic and what would we call this age of television? The Bronze Age. The Bronze Age of television. There's just like abundance of it, um, and it's pretty freaking good. Most of it, some of it isn't. Um, there's just a lot out there. So to kind of make it so that we don't have a panic attack, just going to focus on that thing but we still have rules yeah um the first rule is the rule of three that is if something comes in parts we will watch three of them this does not this was just one documentary so just watch the thing uh the second rule is hashtag save it for the pod which is also always relevant um it's that we will not talk about the thing before we are sitting in front of these microphones because we want you dear listener to have the freshest of takes you come to this podcast, you don't need milk. You know why? Because we're not serving up dry-ass, crusty takes. No. Keep your milk. <laughs> For your tea. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of tea. Uh, hey uh, The third rule is that there will be spoilers. There will be. If for some reason you were like, oh no, no spoilers about this documentary about... <laughs> Can you spoil reality? <laughs> can you um so if you're upset about it you should go make yourself some tea and don't come back in other words hmm? get the fuck out yeah oh you missed it Ye- didn't you yeet <laughs> <laughs> no grandma emojis for her good lord friends this is a thing that was uh popping off all over the social meds a few weeks ago when it aired in the States was not available for Canada because it was on Hulu over there. And we do not have a direct analogous service for Hulu up here in Canada. Took us a few weeks, but it dropped on Crave last week here in Canada. And I gave it a gander and I was like, that's very thought provoking and interesting and told me some things I did not know about and made me think about myself and how I used to be and, and how we view people, which is, I think what we're going to do in this segment of the show. I don't know that it'll be as, as much a, like, did we like it or not? But we're just going to have a kind of a freewheeling discussion about what this thing maybe made us think about. What's this documentary? Framing Britney Spears. You've probably heard about it. Hashtag free Britney. This was a 2021 documentary film directed by Samantha Stark and produced by Jason Stallman. 
Sam Dolnick and Stephanie Press. Uh, it was presented by the New York Times. This is part of a kind of recurring series, a regular series. They kind of there's no set schedule. They just kind of drop one of these every once in a while. Uh, and this film revolves around the career of, of the American singer Britney Spears, her celebrity and popularity within American culture, and of the conservatorship that she has been living under since 2008, which has sparked the fan-driven hashtag Free Britney movement. Uh, this originally dropped on FX on Hulu, and it explores both Spears' rise to fame as a pop star, her treatment by the paparazzi, her highly publicized breakdown in 2007, and her court-mandated conservatorship overseen by her father, Jamie Spears. Shortly after the documentary aired, a probate judge dismissed objections by Jamie Spears regarding the co-conservatorship arrangement. So, Kate? Yeah? Before this documentary, did you have any thoughts on Britney Spears? I really like Britney Spears. <sighs> I've always really liked Britney Spears. Well, not, I mean, I didn't love her when she first came out, but her, her later albums loved work it, bitch. I listen to all the time. <laughs> like I just, I think she's a great entertainer. I would not go to one of her concerts, but there's lots of people whose concerts I wouldn't go to. And, and I really like their music. <laughs> Um, I knew she was on, in a conservatorship way back when she had the breakdown. Mm. Uh, I remember hearing about that. I did not realize she was still under the conservatorship. I won't be able to say the word. Conserver conservatorship. 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 No, and see, now it sounds just like sounds as opposed to a word conservatorship conservatorship there we go um i didn't realize she was still under it i didn't realize that she basically is under like a work protest i didn't hear about the thing in las vegas like I there's lots did not either. i'm just not i'm just not in it's like i hear about britney spears and she does certain things and i was like really glad when i started seeing her again because i could only imagine how hard it was for her. Um, some of the shots of the paparazzi, I did not realize they were so, there was just no Relent physical space. Relentless, invasive. So invasive. However um, you and yes, it. I know paparazzi is a, is a, is a problem for a celebrity, but I did not realize it was that bad. Um, and that paparazzi guy who spoke in the documentary, I wanted to do that. Um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Like I wanted the Thoracic Express. Yes, I wanted to give him the Thoracic Express. I just wanted like, to give him more the than. The, I just wanted to give him the Batman slap, <laughs> like. <laughs> like just, anyways. So yes, that uh, I like Britney Spears. I feel bad for things that she's going through now, um, and I felt sad that she felt she needed to get plastic surgery done and lip fillers because I thought she was always very pretty. So, speaking for myself, I don't think it will surprise many to know that at the time, I was not a fan and, frankly, blamed her for the death of music. <laughs> That's not very nice. It wasn't. But, you know, what this documentary did for myself, I will acknowledge, is made me reevaluate 
my relationship to celebrity at the time and just in general and just how we view women in the media because I am not who I was at, you know, this, at my gray beard age, I am not the same person I was at, you know, 22 when she first debuted in 98, which, you know, I'm coming fresh out of high school, the grunge era into like that kind of punk era, that, that new wave punk pop punk, if you will, era. And then it was like Britney Spears hits with the force of an H bomb. And then it's like boy bands and, you know, Backstreet Boys and sing poppy, pop, pop, pop music. TRL is dominating, <laughs> is dominating the airwaves. And I was still deep in my, whether it was rock or rap, I was in the keep cult of keep it real authenticity, you know? And right. I love manufactured shit now. <laughs> most, most of the records in my collection are like, <laughs> designed by corporations to their Doritos. They're like, you know, made in a factory to like hit that, hit that pleasure center. Uh, so I definitely, you know, appreciate the appeal of that much more now. But at the time I was like, this has killed music. All of these kids out there, look at these stupid kids. They don't know anything, blah, blah, blah. And because patriarchy is a motherfucker, I probably blamed her more than I blamed in singing the Backstreet Boys. And watching, let's talk about Timberlake for a second. Okay. There has been a lot of talk lately about, and again, at the time, it was almost like we were gleeful. We, not you and me, just like me and assholes like me, who at the time, even though I didn't really fuck with, well, I did fuck with Justified a little bit. That was a good album. Um, but... Crimey River wasn't my favorite song on it, but I see here on the Wikipedia page, they refer to it as him, Justin Timberlake, you know, they, him and Britney Spears were the like, you know, first, you know, the first couple of teen pop, you know, back in the late nineties. And yeah. then they broke up and it's phrased here accurately. I think on the Wikipedia page that the film alleges Justin Timberlake weaponized his breakup with Spears in the Crimey River music video. And I, don't think that's inaccurate. He made it his brand to like yeah. brand her a Jezebel. And like, I made this dope music cause she hurt me. Um, and you can find tweet threads and stuff that show he never really stopped. Right. He kind of like let an interviewer goad him into shitting on, uh, you know, the Vegas residency when she first got the thing in Vegas, like, you know, that that's for husbands and, you know, retirees and shit like that. Cause he's still relevant, you know, he wouldn't do it, but he's kind of never stopped weirdly, uh, for like considering it was like his, you know, second or third girlfriend when he was like a kid, but watching in this documentary, the way even journalists treated her is oh, so yeah. jarring. The, 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 the questions that they ask. On what Ugh. on what planet are you asking? Do you think, as an adult, it's okay to ask this kid if she's a virgin? Yeah. Take a minute to unpack why that's even like relevant. So gross. And then why you felt it was acceptable to ask or to talk about 
how she sexualizes her, uh, you feel she sexualizes herself or the image she's given out there. It's like, Diane Sawyer, you are a respectable journalist. And you basically grilled this girl about what did you do to poor Justin? <laughs> like, yeah. Also, yeah. J- Jay Leno, burning hell. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a lot. Someone cute and I were talking about this the other day, and it reminded me a lot about how John Oliver did a piece kind of reckoning with um, Monica Lewinsky. So I was actually just about to bring that up. Mm. Um, Go ahead. And it a lot about, uh, well, it's sort of weird. A couple of things happened at the same time. So I watched the documentary. I was recalling because Jay Leno, they talked about Monica Lewinsky really quickly um, in the documentary because it was that, it was a time and place thing. Mm. Um, and I was recalling the Monica Lewinsky thing and just how she was treated and how she was portrayed and what she had to say about it. Um, and, and, and like being happy that a, a video had come up on YouTube about like, uh, uh, female actors and celebrities calling out really sexist lines of questioning Mm. or like um there was a video that came up about like scarlett johansson um uh, a reporter or a interviewer is like what we're going to do is we're going to flip the script i'm going to ask you uh uh ruffalo the like questions that johansson would get Mm. and then johansson i'll ask you and it was like so wildly uncomfortable i was like yeah they never ask men these questions they would never treat a man like that um, and it just kept on reminding me of, of the John Oliver, Monica Lewinsky thing about just like what people said, Jay Leno and what's his name? Letterman. And the piece, we're like, t- the piece we're talking about is, is John Oliver years later, maybe on the anniversary of the, the original scandal, like did a piece basically highlighting how, like, how just the media got us all into this at the time frenzy where we ignored that the president wielded his power on a 20 something intern and blamed her for it. And that there were only two types of women. They were saints and there were sluts. Yeah. And it's John Oliver. That was like, yeah. And John Oliver basically like does an interview with Lewinsky essentially to apologize for himself um, yeah. and the shitty things he said, cause it just became shorthand. It became the easiest joke in the world. If you want to know if a joke's easy, like look at how often Jay Leno incorporates it while ignoring the fact that like, and we can't let Letterman off the hook either. He no, was yeah, also Letter- super gross. Letterman about it. was gross about it too. Um, but you know, even when you go back the jarring one for me, and again, it's, it's wild that like maybe it's age or just the climate now that like, Nobody would have bat an eye that fucking 60-something Ed McMahon asked a child, Britney Spears, after her Star Search appearance, if she has a boyfriend. Yeah. No, motherfucker, she doesn't. She's like seven. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. What? And they, you know, I don't remember who the uh, the person in the documentary basically says, like, you know, of course, because that's the only question she would be asked. Like, you're just establishing yeah. that immediately for this child, that that's... That's going to be the that's going to be the first question you get asked, and 
So what was interesting for me watching this documentary was I did not know about the conservatorship until very recently. Um, and we're throwing this word around a lot. And if you're not familiar with it from a legal term, it's basically a legal arrangement whereby a third party, not you, basically makes all your decisions for you on a yeah. financial level. And can also be on like a medical level, can be on a... Yes. There, there's, but there's, there's usually two. There's a, a medical and health one, and there's a financial one, and both um, are usually have to do with people who are not deemed competent. Um, it's usually for to seniors. run their own affairs. Yeah, it's usually for se- it's usually yeah. used for seniors and that that horrible movie that came out not horrible as in it's a bad movie but the subject matter is just it would make you sick to your stomach called I really care with Rosamund Pike. Mm. It's all about like that kind of thing. Well, sign me up for that. No, thank you. Um, but the conservatorship that Britney Spears has been under since like oh seven or oh eight or whatever is basically like a pimp game being run by her father. Like, yeah, basically she works and as like his fee for like controlling all her finances, he gets a cut. It's a, yeah, it's like 1.5%. But then as someone pointed out the end, Britney Spears is also paying every time they go to court because she's paying her fees, their fees, the other part, like it's just, she can't win. And I remember, uh, I can't remember who, who was it. Some celebrity was like, you know, I haven't seen the documentary because I'd really like Britney to give her, you know, cause she, this was an unauthorized documentary. Right. I'd really like Britney Spears to like authorize it and blah, blah, blah. I was like, she can't, she's not allowed. Well, and that's where all this- the business decisions are through her father. And a lot of this, like, attention has been brought forth recently from this, like, online movement and this, like, podcast, this kind of, like, frivolous podcast that started called Britney's Instagram because they thought Britney Spears would do these Instagram posts that if you squinted and wanted to find them, you could maybe find these weird kind of, like, coded messages, too. (laughs) Like, it'd be a shot of, like, a cove you know, like a, like the, the ocean and a cove or a rock formation. And the caption would be like, you know, there's always a way out if you look hard enough type of thing. <laughs> and, yeah. And then eventually they get like an anonymous tip from somebody saying like, yeah, everything you're saying is actually true. <laughs> and Yeah. It, yeah. It's Brittany's Graham and it's these two women and they're adorable. <laughs> and they're like, we were just like, it was stupid. And like this thing. And then all these things we were saying, they said were true and we were freaking out. And suddenly it fuels um, this hashtag free Brittany movement where like all of her fans are like speaking out and trying to draw attention to the fact that she's kind of, you know, she has vanished from public life because she refuses to work under this arrangement. She had the comeback and the Vegas residency sold out like crazy, made a shit ton of money. And then she was going to get another residency at like a new casino or something. And what Caitlin was mentioning, the thing she had seen at the time, which I did not, I did not know this is a thing that happened. They like are going to do this huge announcement, live stream, all this type of stuff. And she like gets out of a car, walks across the stage, walks off the stage, goes through the crowd, gets into another car and drives away without a word. Um, yeah. Gangster. Yeah. You, lo- and I, you and love it, to see it. And it was like, yeah, she's just refusing to work. And 
should you also know, I'm should water. also be said. Sorry, this this is a relevant point. A lot of yeah. the conservatorship, it was this like perfect storm where like the paparazzi forced her into this breakdown basically because she couldn't get a moment's rest, and yeah. she was done. And when you see what she had to deal with, you will understand why she was done. Um, and that's when you get to the head shaving and the like smacking a dude's car with an umbrella type of thing. Um, and at the time, listen, again, speaking for myself as a piece of shit, Schadenfreude artist back in the day, I was like, yeah, you ruin music. Come up and I was an asshole. I apologize to Britney Spears live on mic. I was an asshole. I knew shit about shit. It affected basically the father of her children took her kids. Kevin Federline. Yes. Everybody knows his name. <laughs> we Popo. don't know why we know it, but we're just like, I know that name. Popo Zell, motherfucker. Um, yeah. yeah, so she loses primary custody of her kids. And the conservatorship, I think, was part of a move to, like, prove to the relevant judges and parties that, like, you know, she could be trusted with her kids. Fucked up situation for her to even be in in the first place that, you know, was no fault of her own. So she's basically been in this thing for her kids, did get custody back, you know, did get more access to her children. Um, but now she's just stuck in this thing because, like, the people who are in control of it are making too much money off of her to ever let her out of it. Yeah. It's fucked. <laughs> it is fucked. And, yeah. And part of me is just like, I just want her to be healthy and happy. And, you know, she has so much money. If she ever wants to do anything ever again, yeah, good on her. Buy an island. <laughs> Go live on your island with your cute new boyfriend. Like, and your kids. Like, I just, I I think she should be allowed to, like, rest and recover and, and be a normal person for a bit uh, without having to. And, and you know what? There's that moment when you are an adult where you go from being a kid to an adult where you like think it would be really fun to be famous and then you see shit like this or no. you realize how no hard it must you. be and no you're like you. oh yeah no no thanks i actually like being able to wear no makeup and sweatpants and like a gunky shirt and go to no frills yeah and just hearing about how how hard it is i'm sure is not Oh, it can't be that bad. I think this documentary shows, yes, it can. Think again, friend. It can be that bad. Um, I hope she gets out of this thing. I hope the attention stays on it and um, and she can, like, escape, like I said, to some, like, nice tropical island. Yeah, so I don't even know. It doesn't even feel fair from my standpoint to, like, give this kick punches from, like, a quality of production uh, for, like – level of thought provoking in myself and like reevaluating how I viewed things and how I was shitty in earlier parts of my life. Um, I gave it like an eight. Uh, I was actually going to give it the exact same. There you go. I thought the narrative structure was really good. I thought everything was really clearly laid out. Like they, they gave enough background and like, 
so like maybe if you knew really nothing about Britney Spears, you would still you would be able to follow along very easily. Yeah, it went through her um, the early part of her career and how kind of like she got on back in the day through all the all the Justin bullshit and all that. So yeah, it's yeah, and just showing that she was always very in control of her career, mm. that she wasn't a young woman mm-hmm. who was being told by her parents all the time. Like she had a lot of um, control and and had a voice and you know what she was promoting and what she was doing and all of that um and how this must really frustrate her and must be so difficult um yeah so i hope britney spears does get freed um and gets to take a break hashtag free britney yeah never never something i thought never something 22 year old me would uh envision himself saying but you know time changes the man as hey they say. i was about to say times are they are a changing um so shouts to that and circus is a bop yeah, well okay there are so many songs I, I mean it like <laughs> after maybe the first three albums after that there's so many good songs so many i forgot how much of a bop circus was the break Clayton. the ice deep like, cut deep cuts over here with mckinnon i don't even remember that one it was it was one of the kind of anime video ones. Hmm. Get into Britney Spears deep cuts, y'all. Friends, that's going to do it for your welcome back episode of the Geek Down Podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. Truly means the world to us. If you let us know what you're thinking about Britney and conservatorships and how women are attacked by the media on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Get up off Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking. Otherwise, we'll be back next week with I don't know what. It's Kate's pick, though. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. There's so much out there. There's so much that I like. I want to see, but I know Jordan has no interest in. I don't know. Perfect. Don't know perfect time. That's acceptable. With something you yeah, want to watch, true. but I never would. It's kind of. It's kind of in line. It's kind of what we did this podcast. Yeah, it's kind of what we did the podcast for. Um, but you know, I, I never want to give you something that I actually think you're actively going to hate. That makes for good. I radio. didn't know about the mighty Boosh. Okay, I didn't understand. Oh, years later. <laughs> it's still. It's like the mark. It's the. It's that high water mark for like how badly it can go. <laughs> and I'm. And every time I talk to uh, one of my housemates, Ryan, and I'm like. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, at least it's not the mighty boosh. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. It's true. Um, at least that'll be the first piece of per, first piece of geek down merch is a t-shirt that says at least it's not the mighty boosh. At least it's not the mighty boosh. Uh, cool. Cool. We'll be back next week, friends. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you will join us next week for another amazing episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. Hey, y'all, welcome to... That was was me combining welcome and what's up. (laughs) I think it was about to be welts up. Well, so, hey, you know what? Since you're already coming up with new words and new slang terms. Well, what's up, Scuzzbuck? Uh, 